Hello and welcome to The Last Looks Podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Sammy, great to have you back on the podcast. Jamie Lee, it's great to be back. I'd love to pick up where we last left off on award season and some products that go perfectly with A-list looking locks. Last time you told us all about the new collection of Hask Curl Care products. What are we in for today? Well, it's really important for us as a brand to actually let people know that we truly care about the health of your hair. So even though we create products that aid in styling, it's really more about the treatment that goes along with it. It's kind of like when you use your makeup, it's vital to apply a good primer in order to prep accordingly. Am I right? Very true. So (laughs) let's get into the fun stuff. What are some of the products that people can't live without and why? Well, it always seems to come back to our hair oils. So at the end of the day, everyone wants soft and conditioned hair and this stuff will do exactly that it's literally like a one-stop shop product that you can use on damper dry hair straighter curly hair and in this case whether you're staying home to watch an award show or if you're on the other side of it all and getting ready for an award show i'm definitely a fan of the hair oils plus they're so inexpensive i know the price is definitely crazy and a little goes a long way so that little vial will last you a long time and another product that's been getting a lot of play with our stylists is our new curl shape jelly and let me tell you this product is definitely going to keep your frizz at bay but the best part is whether you're curly or just have a hint of a wave this works wonders it acts as a light gel minus the crunch so whether you're looking to define your curls amp up your shine amp up hydration while decreasing frizz or even wanting to give your hair that sleek slick back look this product will do it Wow, I can't wait to get my hands on some of the products from the new collection. Thanks again to you and Hask. It's been so great having you on the podcast, Sammy. Thanks for having me. And if anyone in the TV and film styling community ever needs help with supporting a project that they're working on, send us an email at hask at stonemanagement.net and we'd be happy to get you covered. That's awesome, Sammy. Thank you. No, thank you for having me today. And now, our feature presentation. Hello everyone and welcome to our bonus 2021 Makeup and Hair Oscars special. We have five of these beauties lined up for you to absorb and enjoy. I'm so incredibly grateful to all the guests on these bonus episodes as I understand how precious everyone's time is. When they're working full time on a project and being bombarded with interviews, it can all get a little overwhelming I'm sure. So for that, thank you, thank you and thank you. For each of the five bonus episodes, the nominees were all asked the same questions. So if I sound like a broken record, that's because I am. But as you'll hear, their answers are all very different. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Picture up, last looks, rolling, and action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, ladies. Thank you. Happy to be here. 
Thank you. And may I say a huge congrats on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film Mank. Thank you, Jamie. Now, let's start with introductions. If you could each tell us your name and what your position on the team was, that would be an awesome start. I'm Kimberly Spituri, and I was the department head hairstylist on Mank. And my name is Colleen LaBaff, co-department head on Mank. And uh, Gigi Williams was department head makeup on the mink as well. And unfortunately, she can't be with us today, but I'm pretty sure you two have it covered. Let's start with when you heard the news that you had been nominated, uh, what was the first thought that came to mind? Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jamie, I know you can edit this. so um, No, please swear away. (laughs) That's exactly what I thought was no way. Did I hear that right? The phone started ringing and texts was flying in and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's still pretty shocking. I still can't believe it at moments, but uh, yeah. That's awesome. And Colleen? Oh, it was, it was amazing. It was thrilling. Um, I was so honored, overjoyed. Yeah, we couldn't believe it, but you could believe it because it was so great. So the film, you've worked on it, it's come out, and then I guess the question comes up, do you want to submit your work for the Academy? So what what kind of helps you decide to do that? Well, Jamie, honestly, we didn't decide that. Um, mm-hmm. It was, you know, Netflix and our production company that chose to support us and submit it. We really honestly had nothing Nothing to do with that part when, you know, they contacted us and said that they would like to submit it. I was, I mean, I was very humbled and shocked and honored that they were willing to do that because as you now know, you're doing all these interviews and whatnot. It's a huge process to support a film and get behind it and the whole crew. I mean, it's, it seems like it's been just as much work supporting and promoting the film as it was in shooting it <laughs> seriously yeah. I'm getting that vibe <laughs> you know that was the easy part we just did the work so mm. it wasn't really about choosing you know we're going to submit it you know Colleen knows more about that process of how that gets all narrowed down out of I don't know two, three hundred films and what they're looking for. But she might be able to fill you in on how that part works. But yeah, I guess we got narrowed down to the 10 and then they, we were asked to join what which was a virtual bake-off this year. And uh, again, more interviews. And, you know, they submitted clips of the, you know, films and things of that sort. And yeah, we were, we were pretty lucky. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of luck because there's a lot of good films out there and a lot of very talented artists. So, I mean, yes, I, I mean, I'm proud of the it work that like we did. sounds like you're going along for the ride. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, this is happening. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I'll let Colleen jump in and say if it's anything different. But that's that's all I know is we we did the film and they put it up and we were honored and lucky and you know enough to have our work recognized. Really? Yeah, awesome. So well, I I think Kimberly and I were manifesting something we didn't even realize might happen. 
because when we finished the film, my actress, Tuppence Middleton, gave me a beautiful, beautiful, humongous coffee table book from George Harrell with all these beautiful photos of the same time period we were shooting. Hmm. In fact, some of the characters, Marion Davies was in there. There was pictures of some of the actors that we were shooting as well. And I thought to myself, hey, this will be, I I don't know if you remember, Kimberly, I said, this would be a great book to do like for Mink. We could do something like this. So when we wrapped to a February, then June, I had made a call to Sion Fincher, and I, I was just talking to her about, you know, getting permission to do something like this, even, you know, just for us. It wasn't yeah. really for any award show or anything else. Although I know you do have to submit some kind of book to the Oscars Academy, or most people do this big, huge photo album with pictures. And anyway, one thing led to the other to the other, and it took four months to make. And we did uh, make this wonderful book called Mank. And we ended up, you know, when it all was getting closer, we ended up, you know, putting for your consideration on the cover. It was all black and white. So I guess maybe we didn't even quite know what we were doing, but... (laughs) manifesting it in some way. And sure enough, the book got turned into the Academy. And then Gigi had made a portfolio online for the bake-off of pictures of all of our work with descriptions. It was amazing. So we had a couple of things going on in the end. I mean, again, it for me, it just came out of the blue and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I mean, there hasn't been a black and white film since I think the artist. Mm. And yeah, then one thing led to the other, to the other, to the other. And here we are. I think first came out was the Critics' Choice, then the BAFTA, and then I think it was the Top 10, and then Bake Off, and then the Oscars Top 5. That's so cool. Now, I would love for you ladies to talk us through two characters from the film, probably from your side of things more hair-wise, if you know of any makeup notes that Gigi might have for makeup for the two characters. So just everything from research and development through to just daily application and styling throughout shooting. Okay, let's see, Jamie. All right, I'll start with Gary, because that I Mm -hmm. can talk about you know, what Gigi did is with makeup as well, because we, we collaborated on him together. So we had researched the character Herman Mankiewicz because he was alive at the time and was a writer. And he looked, you know, very, very different from Gary Oldman. And so, you know, we had discussed possible wigs and hair pieces, prosthetics, you know, because Gary's very thin and angular and Herman Mankiewicz was much, uh, you know, pudgier and rounder and, you know. So we had discussed a few things and come to find out it was our director's choice that he didn't want to use any of those things. So Gigi and I had to figure out a way how we could make Gary look different and somewhat of the period and with certain traits, I guess you would say, to, you know, what the character had so that Gary would feel somewhat different because that was, you know, that was a big shock for him. So between the two of us, you know, we tested out some different things and, you know, the character starts out younger in the thirties and he, he 
digresses through his his alcoholism and recovery and things of that sort. So we needed to have some slight variations that would show that as well as, you know, a, a slight time periods and just just to give that film and, you know, being in black mm-hmm. and white, that was another another challenge for us. So I had, so we basically, in using Gary's own hair, you know, I cut his hair. And when he was younger, we, you know, we darkened it. Through the years, we added different degrees of grain to it. I had thinned out his hairline, widened his part. Gigi tried to enhance the bags under his eyes at different times, added aging to him without Mm. prosthetics, with paint and stipple and, you know, lights and shadows and, you know, so that you could, you could tell when he was younger and fresher and when his alcoholism started being part of his demise, you could see more lines, more, more aging. His skin became drier and there were more spots in his face, you know, dark Were these things that you were able to test before starting to shoot and actually see, see it in the black and white? We did. We did lots of tests with you know, quite a few of the characters because because of it, not only because of it being Gary and wanting all of the characters to be David Fincher's mm. vision. You know, he's very hands on. It was you know testing what what comes across with this black and white because we weren't just shooting. We weren't shooting in color and then just desaturating film, we were actually using a black and white camera so that there's you know, so many different variations of gray and mm-hmm. in, in black and white. So trying to find colors that worked and what, you know, some things would look muddy, things wouldn't show enough, you know, we found things had to have uh, a lot of yellow and, and red to show, you know, what we were trying mm. to show. So, so that was, it was challenging and interesting and it was a great learning experience and uh, things had to be a little bit more defined to show in the black and white and the, you know, the process that we were using, it, you know, things looked looked grainy. I guess it was and, tricky to, I mean, you're normally just trusting your I looking at it directly to know or just even using the mirror when you're in the trailer to be like yep yep this is right but then have to think about the whole black and white situation on top of it and just get that thought process going which is different than what you're used to yes exactly so that was uh like I said I mean it it was challenging because you can't I mean we we even tried like there's like black and white glasses to wear and things, you know, and, or we'd photograph things with a noir setting, you know, on our, on our iPhones to try and get a better perception so of it. what happened, like when you're on set and you're shooting, did you have a monitor and was that black and white or were you, okay. Yes. So yes. at least when they got in front yes. of camera, you'd be able to gauge if you needed to yes. adjust anything. Oh, that's correct. Cool add more takeaway yeah, yeah. so that, that, that was very very helpful oh god yes we'd be just shooting in the dark that was yeah sure. and but, what was the second character you wanted to speak about oh let's see i'll 
talk about David Oselznik, which was played by uh, Toby Leonard. It was challenging in this in the sense that you know when you do research on characters that were living at one time, you know there's 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 photographs and there's very distinct things about him or a character that you know your director may want to see. Even though we we weren't trying to um, replicate characters. Mm. You know, sometimes that's what you're shooting for. But there were certain characters that there were distinct things. And David Oselznik being one of them was that he had a definite kinkiness to his hair, you know, his Jewish ethnicity. And so that was something that our director, you know, David Fincher was very specific about. He had something in his mind of how he wanted it Mm. to look. And, you know, our actor's hair, he was pretty straight and silky and waved hair and I was like oh my god how are how are we gonna achieve this you know and you know we couldn't wig him we couldn't permit he was working on another show so it was like okay so it was the test of all tests because you know when you get something like that there's not only your director, there's a lot of opinions of how you should go mm. about it or what someone thinks something looks like. You know, we, we can all look at something and all have a different interpretation of it. And so that was a, a bit challenging. And uh, it was many processes of between setting and curling and irons and textures and too much product and not enough product. And, you know, it was one of those things. And luckily, Toby was really patient because, you know, I mean, you're a hairdresser, Jamie. It's like you can only cook hair yeah. so much, you know. And, uh, but, and I wasn't sure that we could get it. But finally, you know, you, you dig out every, every tool that you have. And, you know, we found a couple of different size texturing irons and it was like, okay, this, this will work. And between that and some pomade, it was actually, I thought it turned out, you know, really well. So it was one of the ones that would seem the easiest and proved to be so challenging. But in the end, I thought that, you know, the finished product worked for the character, the director was happy, the actors were happy, and I think we achieved what what we were trying to do. I mean, changing texture can be a situation. So, you know, color and shape is one thing, but texture is another, so... Right, right. You you know that. So that was, uh, but it was great. You know, who doesn't love it? You know, we all do that. I think we do this because we love mm. challenges, you know, and, and test your skill and your brain and your mind and how, how far can you reach and you know, prove to yourself you can make this happen. So yes, that was that was a that was a fun character to do. And uh, oh well, Kimberly, know. Mike, listen, you got to give yourself even more credit for that. All the guys had a texture issue. <laughs> you had to do Orson Welles. Look at what happened with that messy, this messy, that messy. You know, it was even say even uh, John Hausman. I mean, everyone you you touched turned to magic. I know you had a down pat because you were just uh, every single one of them and barbering them and cutting them and 
I had the wigs, so they didn't talk back to me. And you had all the real hair and changing the textures and more shine, more shine, more this, more that. David yelling, you know, if you can't see a reflection of your own face in the hair, add more shine. I mean, you just did an amazing, amazing job. I don't even know how, you know what? It was like a blur sometimes of every writer coming in there and transforming them until we got to set. What about that beautiful wig you did? I can't even remember the actor's name. I came in. I'm not even. I'm not even. I mean, it, it was, there was so nobody, many. nobody knew this guy had like no hair or he didn't have the right hair. I can't even remember the character's name. And Kimberly had done this wig and she was so busy doing Gary. It was like, okay, you got to put it, or somebody put it on. And then I took it over and oh my God, it was amazing. I wish we knew his name. Anyway, he's all over the book. But, oh, oh the my Von, gosh. The Von Trapper, Von Strutt character whatnot so that was another one that we completely forgot about with every interview and then also oh gosh our guy at the piano charlie Charlie chaplin Chaplin. i mean (laughs) people would just die if they knew how many men were also in some wig or some piece to replicate that character it was amazing it was amazing so and what did you guys find to be your I know you've just spoken of challenges but what did you find to be your biggest challenge during filming well for me it was not to get called out on anything (laughs) from Mr. Fincher so no news is good news huh right so you know Amanda was a bit of my challenge you know at 3 30 every morning getting all that hair up under a wig uh placing it where it couldn't be placed and not placed um but you know Really, with just about everyone, I'm sure Kimberly feels the same. We just did what we do all the time. I couldn't be caught up in this uh, over uh, perfection. I just had to do what I had to do and what I knew how to do. And then I would just, you know, go out there and see what the end result was. And for the most part, I think we, uh, we didn't get called out on too much stuff. You know, there was flyaways I could have on one actress and nobody else. Amanda was one of them. So, yeah. And another little challenge for me was even though Arliss Howard's uh, piece, that was Paul Huntley's piece, which was incredible, as simple as it was, I just had to nail it every time in the exact same spot, mm. you know, and I had to put a, you know, a marking on a, on a stick and there was a spot on his forehead. And if it was covered up too much, I couldn't see it. And just just trying to get everything with consistency, continuity, and trying to be the best it could be. Yeah, that's awesome. Any challenges to add, Kimberly? Oh, gosh. How much time do you have, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> what was your biggest consistent you know challenge, I suppose? You know that. I know. Oh, scary. You know. <laughs> I want to say one of my most challenging, it, it was, and it was was Gary only for the fact that he's, and don't get me wrong, he's so lovely, so professional, and it was such an honor to mm-hmm. work with him uh, daily. But one of the challenges was convincing him and making him feel safe enough that the simplest things that we were doing for him with his hair and with his makeup, you know, between Gigi and I, that it was enough to transform yeah. him, you know, because he is so used to having that protection, that cloak of 
a character where, you know, you know, he'll, he'll go all in, Mm. you know, um, he had no trouble when we first met with him. Like he's like, I'll, I'll, we'll shave my head. We'll do hair pieces. He does not have, you know, that vanity. So he just, he does, you know, so for, for us, for both Gigi and I, it was, you know, just be, you know, being there for him and yeah, trying to, I don't want to say convince him, but make him feel comfortable enough that what we were doing was yeah, enough for the character trust, and it? that, yes. Yeah. You know, and you know, he would say, Oh, is that enough? Oh, I don't like my hair today. Oh, you know, it's like, I don't think I look old enough. I'm not sweaty enough. And we'd say, wait, and we'd take a picture you know, and we'd say, here, look. And he would say, okay, because the same same thing, you know, his eye is also looking at himself mm-hmm. in color and, you know, he sees him. And so we'd photograph him and we'd show him and we'd show, you know, show him something on the monitor, like, this is okay. See, you can see the, the sweat and you can see the gray and you can, you know, those subtleties. So, I mean, he hard work, just as hardworking. He was in every day. I don't believe he had one day off the entire shoot and uh, practically in every scene. I mean, he just, it was, you know, exhausting. So, you know, that it was yeah. a challenge, <laughs> you know, um, and a, a challenge of working with David Fincher. I mean, yes, he's incredibly talented and a wonderful storyteller. And But, you know, when you're doing this, you've taken on this project, this huge thing. It's period. You want it to be period correct. You, mm. you know, it. it's meant to be real. It's meant to have similarities of all these characters. And as wonderful as a storyteller is, he is he isn't that great of a communicator mm. you know like with people you kind of have to just be uh you've got to be able to just like sit back and listen to what he's what he is saying and pick up on certain tones and feelings of characters and as opposed to like it's not like I want this to look like this this and this you know he he's not good at articulating that so that was a a bit challenging because you're looking for you know when you meet with a director is that they have certain ideas and he and his ideas were just about the story so that's where I was like wow we're just gonna have to take what he's saying and just go with my Mm -hmm. gut you know and see if we get it right and if he doesn't like it you know I mean that's what I say if it's not right then let us know and we'll change it you know and that's where you know like Colleen says I was like I don't think other than you know, getting through those first tests, which was great. It was just like, no, I don't like that. No, she looks like a country Western star. No, I like her neck. You know, it would be, I want to see her neck. Okay. That's nope. That's too big. This, there's not enough shine. No, that's not that. That's not the right texture. That's really the only direction. It would be yes or no's to what we showed him. And like I said, luckily, eventually, you know, once we could, I could, understand and grasp his vernacular you know and his idea it was like okay this is what he's trying to say is and that's how we I interpreted and we're just like okay let's do what we do and yeah once we were still there (laughs) and we finished the film and 
<laughs> you know, in one piece. And we will, and that's every day I'd go, okay, we're still here. We must have done okay. You know, our name's on oh the call sheet. Oh, my God. I feel know? like so many people have that thought. I always, I, I always kind of laughing to myself every now and again because when someone of authority comes to speak to me, I'm like, what have I done? Am I am I fired? Yeah, is, exactly. is today my last day? <laughs> right, because no one—they don't come up to you to say hi. You've done. I just want to let you know you did a great job with that. Right I guess now. that kind of goes into. I was going to ask about any standout lessons learned, but I, I feel like that kind of learning that language <laughs> and also figuring out the black and yeah. white filming was mm-hmm. probably a couple of standout lessons, I would imagine. Was there anything else you can think of? Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, you know the lesson. You can never know too much. And you don't ever know it all. I mean, been in this, I mean, in the film industry for, God, 20-some years now. And it's, you know, every project you learn something Mm -hmm. new, you know, and that's, I think just being open to that is that it's part of the excitement of what are we going to learn. But yeah, I mean, gosh, how often do you, I mean, to get the chance to shoot in black and white, to shoot with, you know, incredible filmmakers, Mm -hmm. uh, a chance to do a piece about Hollywood. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think most of us got into this business, Mm -hmm. you know, is the glamour of Hollywood, even though we all had a learned The rude awakening, it's not as always as glamorous as it's portrayed in films, but we still, you know. I often see things on set and I'm like, I just want to take photos of this and put a little album together of like, <laughs> look how glamorous this is not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And as unglamorous as it is, it's all still fascinating mm. and exciting and we love each and every project that comes our way. I mean, I just think we're lucky every day to be able to to do Absolutely. what we do and still yeah. love it. You know, good days and bad, but still, still love it on the whole. And and I mean, come on, look who who would ever think like some little bumpkin from the country would be nominated for an Oscar? I mean. Not me, but here we are. That's awesome. And Colleen, how about you? What what kind of lessons have you taken away from from the film? Well, let's see. um, So many lessons, but I think one of the greatest was through prep. Kimberly and I just was a wet setting wig designing machines. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we learned like just, you know, different ways to set and you know what a what a curling wand can do also curling different directions creating as many different looks as we possibly could just you know seeing the end result and looking at it like hey this worked that worked you know um use this concoction that concoction we learn from one another i went in knowing what i know mm. and it came out knowing a whole lot that i didn't know so it was um a blessing i love it so it sounds like you've got your setting techniques down until next time, <laughs> until there's some, some different styles you need to create. <laughs> well, you know, doing old Hollywood and black and white, which for me, even watching was just, it, it's so crisp and clean and simple. And you, you know, there's not a lot of distraction. 
And living in that world for three, four months, everything was black and white. You didn't mm. even really see color for so long. Yeah. And it, it just, it just, it was so great. Everything was so exquisite back then. And the men were high and tight and styled and the women's shapes were, you know, uh, works of art. And here we were creating this. And for me, it's like creating that masterpiece of the, the hair that frames the face and is the cherry on the sundae, so to speak. And just it all coming together from head to toe. Yeah, really. And watching the movie, it was like watching research that we researched so much prior to this. Yeah. Yeah, it was just incredible. That's so cool. So this question can be a little tricky to answer for some. I would love to know what you feel sets your work apart from your fellow nominees. I know because all the films are so different. So I'd love to hear from you guys. They are so different and also wonderful. What sets us apart? I mean, we're out of the five. We're the only one that's a that is in black and white. Um, all the work is great, you know. The, I, I mean, it's just to be in the company mm. with the four other nominees is just to me mind blowing. It, it really. Well, is. I think yes. But Kimberly said black and white. The simplicity again. It's so authentic. It's so real. It's. Uh, I can't explain it. It's just. It's just so simple. And nothing that takes your eye away it's that's overdone or, you know, which sometimes can be just the good old old Hollywood black and white film. And again, we haven't seen one in so long. Well answered, ladies. Now, I wanted to give you guys a moment to give a shout out to anyone that you wanted to say thanks to that helped you out on the project, because as we know, it takes a team. Oh, gosh, yes, it does. It was a village and it was a team daily. And yes, we we did. We had a great team. We had Cynthia Romo. She gathered our troops and kept that whole atmospheric world organized. And the the rest of the team that was gathered practically on a daily basis, we had Miss Norma Lee out there and Jackie Masterson, Josie Norman, Charlene Johnson, Jazz Kimball, Barbara Daly, Doug Kirkpatrick, Lucia Mace, Barry Rosenberg, Case Glenn, Theodora Katzel, Gianicus, Trish Vecchio, Maisha Parks, Mark Magpile, Brent Weinhold, Stacey Bergman, Yotis Panatote, Fami Hakim, Claire Corset, Audrey Angers, Jen Zilkins, Karen Zanke, Anthea Gapmeyer. I mean, those people, they just showed up. They brought their talents and they just knocked it out of the park and they just made us look better. And I seriously, this is for all of them because you can't do it alone. And we didn't. And we're always grateful. So this nomination is for all of them. So bravo to our team. (laughs) And also a special thanks to our wig makers, Alex Roos, Paul Huntley, and Rob Pickens. Yes, I'd love to thank the makeup team on behalf of Gigi Williams, who was our head of department. Co-department head was Michelle Audrey Kim. The makeup artist was Young Wa, Keiko Wedding, Mark Batista, Anthony Gordon, Laura Calvo, Vera Steinberg, Valley O'Reilly, Maha Mimo, Cindy Williams, Kelly Dahan Goen, Peggy Teague, Mariana Elias, 
Jennifer Espinal, and Chris Evans. Doesn't happen without one or the mm-hmm. other. It all goes together. It's amazing, so. stellar hair and makeup for sure. That's awesome, ladies. And everyone worked their butts off. And, you know, we also, the entire film was three o'clock wake-ups. Oh. Right, Kimberly? I think it was one night, 2.30. Pretty, pretty much. And, um, yeah, glamour, that's what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, you know, life, you know. The greatest part, we were able to shoot nights in the day. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Thank you, black and white. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's amazing. Okay, ladies, it has been so insightful to learn more about what it took to get your work on camera daily and in turn bring you to this point today, being nominated for an Oscar. So congrats again and thanks for joining me. Jamie, thank you so much for having us. Thanks for the patience of us trying to get together and you taking the time out of your day off. I appreciate you taking the time and we look forward to seeing everybody on the podcast. Thank you, Jamie. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.